Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of Points and Penalties. We want to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Peter, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse and Kevin. Josh might be running a little bit late today. We'll see if we uh, makes it in time for the end of the show or not. So, Jesse, what are you drinking tonight? Gone back to Lake of Bays Brewing, and I'm drinking a double IPA. It's a double IPA with elderberry in it. Super strong beer at 8%, boys. Ready to party. (laughs) Kevin, what are you drinking? Well, talking about drinking uh, stuff that we've had before, I've actually gone back to as well um, the Murphy's Law. I'm drinking... um, Cherry bomb with some uh, cola. Yeah. Very tasty, as per usual. So it's a cherry Coke? <laughs> yeah, you can kind of put it that way with some little bit of a kick to it. That's for shizzle. So, Pedro, what are you drinking? Thanks, Kev. I'm drinking the Amsterdam Pure Pilsner from Amsterdam Brewery. It is their 35th anniversary this year, I guess. They've been celebrating their history of Amsterdam good beer since 1986. So it seemed like a good choice. It's 5.2% and that's uh, pretty good beer so far. Bitch. Love you too, bud. No, but I actually want to try that <laughs> one. I saw it when when you sent the photo and it looks really good because I like Pilsners a lot and Amsterdam Brewing always has good stuff. Yeah, I have Amsterdam good beer. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the fucking disaster that happened. So... The NHL playoff update. There was one uh, series left to close out during our last show. The least of the Habs was going into game seven the next day. And the Leafs did not manage to close out the series once again. So the Habs won, move on to play against Winnipeg, which they've already played two games as we're recording this during the middle of the third. And uh, the Leafies are back to golfing again way earlier than intended or expected. So I asked you guys right after this happened, and I only got one response from Josh and saying if this was worse than the Boston shit show that happened. That it was 4-1 game? Yeah, the 4-1 game, yeah. And I, and I didn't hear a response from either of you two, so I want to hear it live now. In my opinion, this is worse. This is the the four one probably had more shock factor to it just because it happened so quickly, and it was it seemed so in hand at that moment. I think that's the exact way to describe that because this was like death by a thousand cuts because they were just they were terrible in game yeah. seven, <laughs> and it was just it was it was a sad game to watch. <laughs> yeah. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, that, that 2013 Leafs team didn't have any business beating the Boston Bruins that year. They were the worst team, and they deserved to lose that series. This year, the fucking Leafs were extremely favored over the Habs. They should have won the series. They went up 3-1. All they had to do was win one more goddamn game. Couple OT losers. <laughs> Couldn't make it happen. Couldn't close. 
I, I think they're cursed. I don't know what you guys think. Yep. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> it is hilarious because they had fans in attendance and everything like that, but it was all like all healthcare workers and there was tweets about it being like all these healthcare workers there and they can't help the Leafs stop choking. <laughs> Which, by the way, just to throw back the last episode, you chirped me and Kevin, Josh, and the Leafs by saying there weren't going to be any fans in attendance in Ontario because the joke was that they were going to lose game seven, which they did. So you're right. (laughs) But there were fans in attendance. So you're wrong about that. You're just going to take that as your win? That's where you're going? I got a grasp of grass (laughs) at this point. I got got nothing else. I've got nothing else. Yeah, so they're... They're going to also beat the record for uh, 54 seasons without winning a cup, too. Uh, They're tied with the Rangers for 53 seasons. So that's another funny thing to laugh at for me. They're cursed. They're cursed. They're cursed. 54 years, no cup. I think it's 16 or 17 years now. No playoff round wins. (sighs) I'm not happy. Kevin. I'm done. I was gonna, I'm done. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I I am done. I, I don't know if I can actually still have one foot on a bus in case they actually start doing better so I can actually get back onto that that bus or as they people say bandwagon. But no man, I I I, I honestly think I'm going I'm just going to stick neutral. I don't think I'm going to stick to a team at all next year. I'm just going to watch the game and enjoy it. But if I ever had to pick another team, I got to go with the Philadelphia Flyers. Ew. Bad choice. Why? Bad choice. Uh, one player and one player only. Daryl Sittler. Uh, I was like my my guy. I mean, and I kind of followed him where he went. The reasons why I wore Cooperalls when I played hockey was because of Daryl Sittler when he played with Philadelphia Flyers. So... There's my reasonings. If I was going to take another team, that would be the team it is. But like I said, I think come next year, I'm just going to watch the game because it's a great game. I'm not going to, you know, I'm done. I'm done 47 years of age here and still waiting. And I'm about done waiting. So So I'm not quite there yet. But this season taught me something. No matter what they do next regular season, I don't care. I don't care if Matthews breaks Gretzky's record for most goals in a season. I don't care if Marner leads the league in points. I don't care if they break some other record for most wins in a season by any team ever. I don't care. They're looking like a regular season team right now that chokes every year in the playoffs. Until the playoffs come around, I don't care what you do. You need to win in the playoffs. You need to close games is what you need to do, man. I mean, you should have closed out that game. That's all. I'm just, there's no reasonings why they, no, just pissed off. That's all. You should have showed up in game five. You should have won. You should have showed up in game six. You should have won. And you should have showed up in game seven. You should have won. You had three chances, three chances to put them away. Couldn't get it done. That's per huge. Game seven curses. Gross. So I think the reason they didn't get it done 
at least this year. I don't think their top end players were good enough. I think Marner and Matthews, they combined for one goal throughout this entire series. That's not good enough. The goaltending they got was great. You might say that Price was the reason that they didn't make it through, that they got goalie by Price, but our goalie, Campbell, was, I would say, equally as good. I don't think they challenged Price enough. I think he played good, but I don't think he was a world beater up there. I think he could have been beat if they had challenged him more, but they didn't generate enough offense. Willie had a great series. Spets was showing up. He got some scoring from the bottom end. But the big boys needed to show up way more than they did. Do you think it still had to do with um, the captain being gone? you think that we had to do a bit of it? It certainly didn't help. I mean, there's there's three double-digit players in terms of salary on this team. And when you lose one of them 10 minutes into the first game, that's not going to help anything. But even without John Tavares in the lineup, they're still a much better team on paper. They still should have won this series, and they showed that they have by far enough talent to do so in games three and four. Those are great games. They played exactly the way they needed to, despite the lack of scoring for the top end. Just wasn't good enough. And this... This loss of this series might haunt them for years because next year, by all likelihood, they're going back to the Atlantic Division. They're going back to playing with Tampa Bay. They're going back to playing with Boston. They're going back to playing with Florida, Montreal. These are all strong playoff teams, and they're going to be in a dogfight for the top of that division, and they're probably going to end up with a first round Maybe against Boston, maybe against Tampa, maybe against Montreal again. If they even make the playoffs, which they probably will. But <laughs> this was a golden opportunity for an easy path into the final four of this league. They have a chance against those teams. Teams like Colorado, Vegas, Tampa. They're probably better teams right now. But it's not inconceivable that the Leafs could have won series against those teams. They're right there. Or at least they should be. Like you said, on paper. As long as they show up yeah, on paper. So going into this offseason after this debacle of a series, there could be major changes happening. There's all kinds of rumors swirling about a potential uh, Mitch Marner trade. So he was signed to a, a very lucrative contract. And I thought it was rich when it happened, but I understand why Dubas and team made it happen with the expectation that the cap was going to continue to go up. You sign him with term to a high value, but you expect the cap to go up. So as, as the contract progresses, it becomes less and less of your overall cap. When did he sign that contract? Two years ago, I think. 
which, by the way, is after his last playoff goal. He's not scored since he signed his extension. Yeah, he's been pretty horrible in the playoffs. He definitely hasn't been good enough. So I don't know. I I don't think it makes sense to break up this core yet. But, I mean, Mitch especially is looking like a real regular season player and a playoff choke artist. And the amount of money that he is getting paid against the cap, which is actually less in real money after these first couple of years because this deal was front-loaded in real money. So there's teams, I'm sure, out there that would be ready and willing to take on a Mitch Marner contract and give quality assets back. Are they in cap trouble next year? Of course. Yeah. They're in cap trouble every year for the next like six years. <laughs> Rumors are swirling in the in the depths of the internet. I don't personally think they move them. But I could definitely see the rationale if they do. To try and free up that cap space now that we know it's a flat cap for who knows how long to try and retool this roster a little bit to try and build a champion. So I got a question for you then. I know you've talked about the game and everything like that, but <clears throat> the way that he he, had, he still hasn't scored a goal and everything like that, you still want him back. What happens next year then? Are you willing, if he doesn't score a goal again or if he doesn't create enough offense? Because what, what I heard also too is that they, uh, the coach didn't change up his first line at all, even though they were struggling. That's true. That is true. They were, and I don't know how much I blame the coach for that because your first line that's getting paid 11 million something, 10 million something, and Zach Hyman, who's making 2 million something, but is, he's a good player, works there. I don't know if it's on the coach to necessarily break up that line you need that line to get out of their own fucking asses and produce and a lot of the criticism that i've seen a lot of it lands on mitch because he he held on to the puck a lot this series for what seemed like too long i don't know if he's mentally trying to do it all himself and be the hero out there i don't know but he wasn't moving the puck enough and uh, just holding on to it for too long. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem right in the playoffs. And I don't know if his game just doesn't translate well to playoff hockey or if it's a mental thing with him. We know he can do it in the regular season. He was top five in points in the league this year in the regular season. Just do it in the playoffs. Maybe he can't. Maybe the game's too different. It's a different animal, like we were talking before, being in the playoffs compared to the regular season, right? So, yeah, maybe he can't handle it up there. Everyone's a little bit more intense. Well, I do have a coach that uh, would definitely help get their heads out of their asses. We all know where I'm going with this. If you are trying to spin torch to Toronto. Let's, let's bring Tortorella. Bring that mofo into Toronto, and you'll see a fucking team kind of – kind of play with the heart and, and soul and, and take the body, go into the corners. Don't be such wishes. And, you know, wasn't that what Babcock was kind of, 
Yeah. Babcock enforced kind of going into the corners, but they played very well under Babcock as well. You just got to stop kicking people and, and you know, not good enough to get them. out of the first round. Yeah. No, they, they, Babcock was great when they were a bottom feeding team and he did it. Right. Cause he built he did a up. great job of making them respectable out of a last place team. But by the time it got to them being actually contending, he he wasn't the guy. He the team wasn't either wasn't playing for him. Playing for him, yeah, because he was or a he wasn't able to make the right calls and adjustments. I remember being very upset about the amount of ice time that guys like Mitch and Austin were getting under Babcock in the playoffs, um, which has completely changed under uh, Sheldon Keefe. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I was just kidding, man. I mean, I don't want Tortorella coming to fucking Toronto. I'm just saying, I mean, if you want somebody to get the, their heads out of their asses, there, there's a coach that can possibly help. Put him as an assistant then. Have Keith he still as your he coach. He won't take an assistant position. No. Well, I, I just like the guy. I like the guy the way how, how his ethics is. You're either going to play 120% on my fucking team or you're going to get out of here. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Peter, was – we were talking about the power play in regular season, a bunch. I checked it out and they were like, I think like the second last in the, in the playoffs in power play percentage. Now I know we, I think we also said on here that he did, they did score in their first power play or maybe, or the first game of the power play um, in the series. But after that, it was pretty dull. (laughs) And uh I don't know what – I don't know. It's hard to explain what's wrong with this team's power play, but the amount of skill that they have. I think Doesn't that land on the coaching staff then at that point too still? Maybe, but you got to think if you're a coach and you're putting that kind of lineup out on the power play, like, fuck, what more do you need to do? I, I don't know. It just seemed like the power play was always seemed to play with a lack of urgency. And that's what I saw. They were barely shooting. Yeah. And they just, they're like playing keep away almost. And that doesn't get you anything. Um, Maybe they're trying to set up a perfect play kind of thing like that. Yeah. They're being too. Yeah. Like you said, too, too, trying to be too nifty and trying, trying to, to be get too perfect. And just, just fucking too fancy. just shoot the puck on the net. Good things, Good things will happen. A rebound to come out, a scramble will happen. Then you can make your pretty pass across the seam, which is fucking wide open for an open net. But it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say. The power play was not nearly good enough, especially for the skill that's on it. Now, it would have been nice to see what it could have been if JT had stayed healthy and stayed in the lineup. Because they did revamp the power play structure a little bit to make two fairly even power play units going into game one. But I don't think they even had a. And it worked. I don't think they even had a penalty before the JT injury. Hmm. Although I could be wrong. I don't remember at this point. It's all a blur. But yeah, I don't know what the problem is with the power play, but it's got to get fixed. With that much skill on, on this team, the power play has to be dynamite. It was at the start of the regular season. So I don't know what happened. But the regular season, they were lights out, and then they fell off a cliff. And they brought that into the playoffs. 
So you're willing to give the coach another chance? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's only yeah. been there for a season and a half, even though it seems like a long time because of fucking pandemic. People are calling for his head. No, that's, that's not the right call at this point. Not at all. I mean, the guy's a great coach. Look what he did for the, the Marlies. I mean, the guy was amazing. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's a young, uh, young coach trying to teach a young style of hockey. Like he's, he's like, he's still being with the Marlies. We, it's the big boy league now, man. Pull up your big boy socks, your big boy pants, and let's play big boy hockey. Yeah. For the record, I agree with you guys. I'm just trying to stir up shit. Attaboy. <laughs> okay. He, like you said, I think he's been there for a year and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to give him more time. Yeah. So, other um, major core player that I've heard rumored in trades is Morgan Riley. And Morgan Riley probably had his best playoffs that I've seen him play. He had a great series. There's no issue with Morgan Riley. The reason he's coming up in trade talks is because of the expansion draft. So he is, he's a free agent after next year and he's going to get a raise. He's at 5 million, I think right now or something like that. And there are two, two things you can do in the expansion draft. You can protect four forwards and four defensemen, or you can protect seven forwards and three defensemen. So the Leafs today have four good defensemen worth protecting in Riley, Brody, Muzzin, and Hall. All those guys you don't want to let go to Vegas. But challenge Seattle. Challenge, yeah. Challenge. Seattle. Seattle. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Finally got you on one of those where you fucked up. Yeah. You're nice. eating us alive on those. <laughs> so if they protect the four defensemen, then you can only protect four forwards and you protect the big four. Protect Mitch, Austin, JT, and Willie. So that leaves all of your other forwards exposed. It might make more sense from an asset management perspective to trade Willie now. You get high value for him. And he's only got a year left on his deal anyway, which he may not be able to resign because he can't afford it. If you trade him now for a decent return, then you can protect three defensemen and seven forwards. You get a lot more coverage with who you're protecting from Seattle. Fuck's sakes. <laughs> and there's a bit of sense to that. So I'm not by any means excited at the idea of trading away Morgan Riley. He's a great player and I'm happy to have him on the Leafs. He's the longest actually running Leaf right now. Tenured. So I don't know. That I could, if I had to put a probability on either him or Marner moving, I would put more towards Riley moving than Marner. Because I can definitely see the sensibility of it. Where was you? You being Riley, would you not want to go to the expansion? Well, there's there's no chance they're just going to expose him to Seattle. Because he, if if anything, they're going to trade him for valuable asset. Yeah, you don't get anything for from him if he goes there. But 
doesn't the expansion teams also have their amount of first round picks, second round picks? I mean, like they, they have, could like, definitely trade for them. A of them. They could definitely trade for them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with Vegas, and I mean Vegas this time, we saw a lot of um, deals made with teams to say, hey, don't take this guy, even though I can't protect them. And in, in return, I'll trade you these two guys for your fucking third round pick or something, even though they have a lot more value than that. We saw a lot of that happen, and teams got burned pretty good by Vegas doing that. They, they did a great job. Where will uh, Seattle be picking in the, in the draft? Do we know? Yeah, they're second. They're second? Yeah, so that's a, that, so. so they got kicked into the lotto? Yeah. Oh, okay. Vegas doesn't have to give up anybody at all this year, too. Vegas is exempted from giving anybody to Seattle. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's ignorant. Why is that? Uh, that seems unfair. They were just in the Stanley Cup recently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think they gave him like a four-year expansion regards to like, you know, well, they don't was, have to give up. It was probably put in place before mm-hmm. if they expanded yeah, they, again. They don't have to give up anybody, which I think is bullshit. I mean, I agree. I, I don't think that uh, the way they're doing this is kind of, kind of right. Cause you're basically building a stack team from the start. I mean, let's just go back to where it was before you got an expansion team, man. You got players that are just as shit as everyone else. You got you to gotta work your way up there, not just give all these fucking uh, elite players. Well, I mean, that's why Vegas did so well very, very first season. Yeah, but there's a reason the teams like Atlanta and that's why they folded. I can't think of any right now, but yeah, why they fucking didn't survive is because they put it on a shit product for so long because the Atlanta had a pretty good team, man. The ex- eventually, they had a lot of bad, bad, bad years. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't, I don't, I agree that that's not what you want out of your expansion team. You don't want them to be a bottom dweller for a long time and not build any fan base and fail. So I, I agree with, I think the new expansion rules are good. What Vegas did and how they got so good so fast is they manipulated the other teams by saying, I'm not going to take that guy that you exposed to me. And, and in return, I'm going to take a shitty guy that you don't really care about. But in return, you're going to trade me your other two really good guys. And I'll send you a fucking third round pick or some shit. Like they ate a couple teams alive like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they are where they are. Um, so I think I think hopefully teams will have learned their lesson from the Vegas experiment, and they won't make deals like that and just let Seattle choose from their exposed players. Don't make deals. You're gonna lose a decent player. Devins the breaks, and Seattle will field a decent team. And it's well, fucking right. They will. And it shouldn't be a uh, like a Stanley Cup ready team right away. Like Vegas. Right. It should be just a decent team. Which is what you want. You want a team that can win some games, maybe make the playoffs, happy days. You start to build a fan base, and that's it. I tell you, Seattle makes the um, makes the playoffs next year, and they go through the first round. They will. They will. They will go through a first round. I don't know, Kev. Winning the first round is harder than you might think. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's but they're cursed, remember? <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... Okay. So last piece on the fucking elites that I want to talk about. Outside of their core group of players, they have a ton of guys. They have expiring contracts this offseason. So I'm just going to run through the list of, of guys that were starters in the playoffs that are aren't on the Leafs anymore as of whatever, July 1st. Riley Nash, Zach Hyman, Wayne Simmons, Nick Foligno, Alex Galchenyuk, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, Zach Bogosian, and Travis Dermott. All those guys are either free agents or restricted free agents. So with the restricted free agent, can't you – you just tender them or something like that? Yeah, it's very likely the restricted free agents are going to come back, and I think it's which just, ones? Which ones are? I think it's just Dermot. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, for me, like you guys brought all these, a lot of these, like Wayne Simmons, Nick Foligno, Alex Goncheriak, uh, Jason. Well, Jason Spess has been there for a year, the year before, but uh, Joe Thornton. Like you brought these guys in to to be the experience for the playoffs, and <laughs> that was not the case. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what you do here. I, I don't know if you bring any of them back. So, I, I agree with what you're saying. Not that you wouldn't bring any of them back, but that they brought in the, they tried to bring in the experience, the fucking the gritty guys, the, the intangibles that are supposed to help you win in the playoffs, and it didn't work. Um, so I'm all for next year going with a younger group of call it complementary players outside the core players, bringing some young, fast, hungry guys that you have in your prospect pool. Bring them up. You got guys like Adam Brooks. You got Nick Robertson. You got lots of young guys. Bring those guys up. See what they have. Let them play. Be fast. Be skilled. Be a good team. So I would try and bring back Zach Hyman. I don't know if it's going to happen because he may command too much salary that someone else might pay him. Yeah, you just said you're in cap hell right now. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get him back. Yeah, he's, he's going to go get paid. Oh yeah, he's going to get paid yeah. wherever he goes. Yeah, so I could see him gone, but I would bring him back. Simmons, you definitely need to bring that boy back. I don't give a shiznit, man. That's your muscle. Why would you get rid of your muscle? Do you just thought you can just have these teams just like go around in circles? Because the muscle did so well for you in the playoffs. You definitely need grind. You definitely need muscle. Don't you got to be able to hit? And if you're gonna have a bunch of little ones rolling around the ice, skating like little figure eights, no, you got you need body, man. You need those guys that skate the figure eights also score the goals and assist the goals and are playmakers. Yeah, and they, and they can also take bodies, which is what we couldn't do against Montreal. Couldn't put the puck in the net because Toronto was afraid to hit people. That's what I'm saying. You got to keep your you got to keep your Wayne Simmons. I, I I can see your point on uh, setting the tone, being aggressive, but they weren't doing it. So Simmons, I'm on the fence with. I'm okay with bringing him back, depending on what he wants to get paid. And I'm also okay with him not coming back. Either way, I'm okay. Felino's gone. He's going to want too much money. Yeah, he's just a rental, one-year rental. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back. Yeah, to to Colum- Columbus Challenge. Columbus. Columbus. All right, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Alex Galchenyuk. I would love to bring Galchenyuk back. 
I think he might get paid too much by somebody else based on the year he had with the Leafs. He had a good year. I think somebody might take a flyer on him at too much money. Um, but we'll see. He's still young too, isn't he? Yeah, he's on Virginia. He's mid twenties, call it. something like that. Maybe late twenties. Yeah. Still I in like his him. prime. I like him. Yeah, I, I I still like that kid. I mean, as much as you, uh, well, I think we both had him as a bit of a taxi squad kind of a person. But I mean, man, he surprised me. He played hard, and he played. He's got the skill to make plays when he needs to. He was he auditioning, made, auditioning for a contract. Yeah, I think so. He made one uh, real boneheaded play, but outside of that, <laughs> I, was, I was real happy with Kevin. What was that boneheaded play, Peter? Oh, that was a turnover in Game Five in overtime, about uh, forty seconds in, that led to a goal on a two-on-zero oh. breakaway. Let's not talk about the Dermot one either, then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Spezza, I'd fucking take him back all day long as long as he's not going to retire. Well, he said he would only stay with Toronto if he was going to be waived or moved anywhere else. He was going to retire then. Yeah. So what makes you think he's not going to retire now? We'll see how his body feels. I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to be back. We'll see. He's getting up there, obviously. Joe Thornton, see you later. I don't have any time for you to come back. You're too old. He's, he's, he's no good in the playoffs anyways. Yeah. He was a great <laughs> guy, but on the ice, not good enough. Sorry. You're past your uh, expiry date. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Zach Bogosian, I'd bring back if he's willing to take a team-friendly enough deal. And he's a fine sixth defenseman. No problem bringing back Bogosian. And Dermot, I'd bring back too. Yeah. Despite his unfortunate turnover in game six. It led to the game-winning goal. Dermot's a good, a good young player. I'd be happy to bring him back. So, I'm done ranting and raving about the Leafs. You're gonna, we can go on for hours with this, or even longer. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I, I could go on just... longer making fun of you guys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're probably way over our uh, allotted time for NHL this week. <laughs> uh, but I don't really give a fuck. So, round two of the playoffs is still ongoing. The Bruins and the Islanders are tied 2-2. The Lightning and the Canes, the Lightning are up 3-1. Vegas and the Avalanche, the Avs are leading 2-1. They finally got their first loss this playoffs. And the Jets and Habs, Montreal is leading 2-0. And they're playing right now, I think. So... In these series, I had I had the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Abs. Lightning and Abs are leading. Bruins are tied. I didn't pick the Jets and Habs because we didn't know it was going to be the Jets and Habs yet. I was still hoping for Jets Leafs. But full transparency, full disclosure, I would have picked the Jets. Which Obviously. Seems, <laughs> which seems at this point like it was probably a bad choice. Told you, man. Carey Price is, was going to show up. Fucking playoff Price. And and when he does, man, he he's a, he's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. If the Jets hella bucks goalie, I mean, if he gets on his head, if he starts standing on his head, watch out. This could be like a like a duel at goaltending. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems at this point like the Habs are going to advance, and they play the winner of Vegas, Colorado, I think, because they are pretty highly seeded teams. It all comes back to seeding at that point but I'm not sure about that. I'm going to call it right now. I think the winner of the Jets and Habs gets swept by whoever they play in the next round. 
I don't think they win a game. Hot take. Yeah, it is a very hot take, but I don't think so. If let's say if they are even facing the Canes or the Lightning, I mean, yeah. it's just going to be a pure domination between Montreal's not moving on. Montreal is not definitely going to a final. No. Yeah, but he's saying they're not going to win a game. Next round? I don't think they win a game. Moving on. So one bit of good news we got today. The federal government has officially approved a travel exemption for the NHL teams in the playoffs. So what that means is that Montreal or Winnipeg, whoever wins the series, can play just like a normal series, home games in their home building, and they'll play away games in the away team's building, Colorado, Vegas, whoever it is. They'll play just like any other series. So that's good news. We were talking before about how they might have to find a, an American city with an arena to call their home or something to that effect. That doesn't have to happen. So that's good. Yay, we get to watch Montreal or Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a few fans in the building. Yeah, that's going to be quite the advantage for the U.S., yeah. And they're gonna, oh, yeah. They're going to go into the U.S. market that's either full or at significantly more capacity than we're allowing in Canada. But it is what it is. I'm just glad that they're actually playing at home and not in front of a foreign city. With no fans? Well, maybe the away fans? <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows what it would have been? And that's it. So that brings us into the NBA. So in the NBA, we just closed out the first round today. So Philly beat Washington 4-1. Brooklyn beat Boston 4-1. Milwaukee swept Miami. Atlanta beat New York 4-1. I love the bow to the to the New Yorkans. <laughs> the New Yorkers, they're called. New Yorkers. New Yorkans. <laughs> Should have challenged it. Utah beat Memphis uh, in five. Phoenix beat the Lakers 4-2. Denver beat Portland 4-2. And the Clip beat Dallas. The only series to go to a game seven. They advanced today. Yeah, our boy Kawhi dominated today. Yeah. It was awesome watching him go. And he was playing lights out. It's nice to see your best player show up in a big game. Which is what he does. Yeah. Luka Doncic was pretty good too, as per usual, which we're not all shocked about. He's been dominating this year and in the playoffs. The only issue he had really this game was his free throws. He he missed a few there. Uh, I only watched a bit of it, but the third quarter I saw he was at five for nine from the free throw line, which is pretty bad for a guy of his caliber but the rest he still dominated for the most part yeah so yosh gave us his picks for who he thought was going to win these uh, the first round games we're going to take his word for it he never actually told us on the air and he's just telling us now who he picked but we're going to trust him we're going to believe that he's telling us who he actually had winning so he had philly 
He had Boston over Brooklyn, so that's an X on that. Don't know what you were thinking. And he's he's trying to join us here on our call, but he's he doesn't have the audio going quite yet. Yeah, we we need to talk to him about how how he can defend that. Yeah, you've got to explain that one a little bit. You got a little explaining <laughs> to do. Got to have an upset in there somewhere, I guess. He had Milwaukee over Miami. He had Atlanta, he had Utah, he had Phoenix, he had Denver. But he had Dallas beating the clip, which didn't happen today. So six for two on the first round. Matches my predictions on the first round in the NHL. So overall, not bad. As long as he's telling the truth. Should have got a screenshot of it. Right? Yeah. He does a lot of screenshots, so you think he would have. It's okay. He's a he's a trustworthy guy. We'll think we'll believe him. Okay, so let's talk Suns Lakers. So the Suns win their first playoff series in eleven years. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> there you go, Kevin. Way to laugh it off. That's what you got to <laughs> yeah. do right now. Yeah. And LeBron loses in the first round for the first time in his career. His first round record is now 14 and one. I wonder what that's like. And he's second only to Derek Fisher and Robert Horry at 16 and 0, both. Both tied. Both tied at 16 and 0. Yeah, exactly. So, like we know, LeBron is, he's playoff LeBron. He's, I didn't expect him to lose this series because he never loses in a first round. Maybe age is catching up with him a little bit. He's not quite the LeBron of old. I think Anthony Davis missing had something to do with it too. Yeah. But even even the years when he was on like the Cavaliers or whatever, when he was by himself, he'd still win the first round. Yeah, but they were also a good team that they were all he he was he was the team, but they still had a high seating seating usually. Like this was a low seat seating for them. Yeah. So Damian Lillard. Playing like an absolute superstar. First player in NBA history with at least 50 points, 10 assists, and 10 three-pointers in any game, regular season or playoffs. He's just having to do it in a playoff game where it matters more. He scored 12 three-pointers in this game, breaking Clay Thompson's NBA playoff record. And so after the game, when asked about his record-breaking performance, he was quoted as saying, it don't matter. We lost the game. Which is like a competitor should say. Exactly. So this guy is fucking aces in my book. Exactly what he's playing his ass off, breaking records, and saying the right things when asked after the game. Not whining like some people. Who could you mean? I believe they're in their our penalty box, but <laughs> we'll worry about that later. <laughs> we'll get there soon. Kevin Durant moves up the all-time playoff list for field goals made. He's now 14th with 1,426. To move into the top 10, he's got to get to 1,504, I guess 1,505 to pass Olajuwon. And sitting at number one is our boy LeBron James, who has over 2,700, 2,725 field goals made. Nearly double what Durant is at right now. Not quite, but nearly. 
Never going to catch him. No chance. Zero. Negative. Nilch. No, but he'll make it in that top 10. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll make the top 10 for sure, as long as he's healthy and keeps playing in the playoffs. He will. He'll definitely still be in the playoffs because he can get players to come to him or he yep. goes to teams that have players. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I think he's making the top 10 for sure. Zero chance of catching LeBron. I like to also add two with regards to the LeBron bitch James here that more than 10 years since Stephen Curry and, like I said, or LeBron bitch James were not in the NBA Finals. It's wild. It is wild. You're saying for the past 10 years, one of either Curry or LeBron has been in every single NBA Finals? Yep. That's fucking nuts. Game changers, bud. They are. I'd love to challenge you if I can think of someone who uh, a year that they weren't. I'm not going to because I can't. Thank you, word for it. So second round update. So Philly is playing Atlanta. They lost their first game. I believe that was today. Maybe not. So they're down one nothing. Brooklyn is up one to nothing on Milwaukee. Boom. Yeah, so Jesse and Kev's pick for the championship is still going strong. The only thing that's hurting for me on that one is um, Harding. I mean, the guy pulled a hammy. Yeah, he's injured, but they got players to replace him. Yeah. Utah and the Clip haven't started their series yet, but the Clip advanced today, so they will be starting their series shortly. And Phoenix and Denver have yet to start as well. So... Josh was kind enough to give us his picks in advance this time for the second round. We have we have proof. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got Philly, Milwaukee, Utah, and Denver winning these series. So I agree with Philly. I got Brooklyn beating the Greek Freak and the Bucks. I agree with Utah, and I agree with Denver. So I agree with you on the West. A little bit different opinion on the east yeah i'm gonna disagree on a few just because you're cheering for philly and i don't want philly to win so i would go with atlanta here obviously brooklyn after watching Kawhi today i kind of want the clippers to win i don't know what's going to happen but that's who i'm going to be cheering for so i'm going to go with that they win the series and then uh yeah i'll definitely go with denver denver for against phoenix yeah I kind of, I kind of got it the same. I'd like to see Kawhi win too, just because he's former Raptor. He's my boy, but I don't see it happening. Utah is a real good. Team. I don't know, man. Like you're right, they are a really good team, but Kawhi in the playoffs is a different man. He, he can get past the first round. <laughs> what? What's that like? <laughs> I think I kind of have it the same way too. I have Atlanta, obviously Brooklyn, and and like you guys say, man. I mean, if someone's going to sit there and be a dominant force, is uh, is him for the Clippers? So yeah, I mean, for sure, Kawhi is, is unbelievable, and I'll go with Phoenix. I think Phoenix will take over Denver. Maybe. You think Phoenix will take over Denver? Well, I'd say Phoenix will beat Denver. Yes. Okay. This week's Points and Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. Our MVP segment is sponsored by MVP Brewing. MVP's kickback program 
is to give every child the chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations. It's a, uh, it's a great initiative and we're happy to have them as uh, our sponsor of our MVP segment. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, boys. So, our MVP for this week is goaltender Taya Curry, who made history on Saturday, becoming the first female ever chosen in the Ontario Hockey League OHL Priority Selection Draft. Uh, the 16-year-old from Park Hill, Ontario, was selected 14th uh, in the 14th round, rather, 267th overall by the Sarnia Sting. She is five foot seven, 140 pounds, which is probably bigger than I was at 16, and was touted as one of Alliance Hockey's top goaltenders as a member of the Elgin Middlesex Chiefs AAA Boys Under 16 team. So, Taya Curry, for being the first female ever drafted to the OHL, you're our MVP for episode 20. Congrats. That's awesome to hear. No doubt. Now, this also, she could also be like the very first female to be drafted into the NHL. Could be. We'll see how her career goes. Kind of short for a goalie, though. Like, how much more growing is she going to be doing? Oh, she's 16, man. They, they, they think they do stop till like they're 21. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse's not wrong though. She's uh... a lot of girls like grow up tall early on, and then they level out, and then men continue to grow later into the years. Then, then female. If you're gonna get into like small goalies, go go to Alan Bester. You can even go to Grant Fuhr. I mean, there's so many small goalies that were out there that were really good. Yeah. So. But- there's a, there's a significant trend in the NHL right now to go to a larger goalie, um, just because they block more than that with, with the size of their body. But regardless, hopefully she makes it to the NHL one day. Uh, we're just glad to see that she's been the first ever female drafted at the OHL, and not too far away from us either. No. And so, just to update: we have a new co-host on board. Josh has arrived. Although his internet is absolutely shit, so he is very spotty. He's going to try and uh, stay silent for the most part and just chime in when he needs to. But we're glad to have you here. Didn't pay my bills this month, boys. Didn't pay my bills. <laughs> we're just going to say every time you challenge, though, it's just going to go, you're going to sound like a robot again, kind of thing like that. <laughs> is that for Kevin's benefit? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, buddy. We're going to roll into the MLB here. We're going to do an update with the Jays. And the big talking point for the Jays this week is our main man, Vladdy. Yeah. Who is closing in on being quite the number one overall MVP candidate right now, I I believe, for the AL. Leads the league in average at 338. First in home runs with 18. First in on base percentage with 439. And first in slugging with 672. His OPS is first as well at 1.1111. Our second in hits with 68 against uh, Cedric Mullins, who is 70. Second in RBIs with 47 against Rafael Devers with 48. 
And he's got third in runs scored with 44. And Kahan, 47. And Bobachet with 45. And he's actually playing way better defense at uh, first base than like Rowdy Telez today. He booted a ball and looked pretty horror-awful. That was garbage. Yeah, and he's not doing great at the plate either. So, obviously, Vladdy has no competition at first base there. Oh, yeah. So, the only competition I see him having for the MVP this year is, is Shohei Otani. If, if, if he keeps up the play that he's been playing with so far the year, uh, in my mind, it's, it's the two of them that are neck and neck for the MVP and nobody else. You got J.D. Martinez in there. He's been pretty good. He's slowed down after a hot start and everything like that, but he's still pretty good. Judge is still in. He's still hitting a bunch of home runs. Obviously not with the average that Vladdy has, but not as many as Vladdy. And his average is way better too. But you also like with Otani too, is his average isn't as nearly as good as Vladdy's. So there's not many that can even come close. And then the people that are close aren't. Like, like he's he's the front runner, at least for me. Maybe a little bias in there, but he he's definitely the front runner for me. Yeah, I still think Otani's right in there, uh, maybe even ahead of him. But one thing I do, you know, think he's a, you think he's ahead of him? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say at this point in the season. I think the two of them are are right at the top, though. You think it's because he can pitch as well? Yeah, and pitch well. I haven't seen him pitch a whole lot recently but i just i just knew that he was struggling with the walks a bit here and there but maybe he's doing better his era has been good i don't know how long he's been going through games like do you know how many quality starts he has or anything like that or no no but i guess because he's he's a two-way player at this point it's pretty tough to find those and he's dominant he's doing obviously dominating at hitting and and pitching he's doing very well at as well yeah so we're just going to stick with the Jays here, and we're going to talk about someone who el- who else is dominating now is Marcus Simeon. He was May's, May's AL Player of the Month. Eight home runs, 22 RBIs. His average was .368. His OP was .429. And his OPS was 1.130. And I believe that we I talked about him a couple weeks ago or so, and he was how much he has improved and proved to me that he, he was a good signing. Cause I was really iffy on the signing and he didn't start off that great. He had a bunch of home runs, but his average wasn't that good. And he was hitting at the top of the lineup and I, I'm old school and I like to prefer someone at the top of the lineup to hit for average. And he has now done that in spectacular fashion. So on this week, they beat the Marlins two times, which is okay. Like they, they don't have much of an offense there. Their pitching is pretty good, but their offense is just horrendous against the asterisks. They went one and two. The game today was horror awful. And then I don't remember the one game, but I know they lost like 13 to one or something like that, which was also again, horror awful. But today was more about errors that had to happen, which were just, just like how you, you don't want to talk about the least. I don't really want to talk about that either. I don't think there's a lot of blue Jays haters here right now. So it was it was just bad. I saw Gritchick run into Simeon today. It was literally an infield fly, and Gritchick tried to take it away from him, and that was embarrassing. We talked about the Rowdy Cotella's error, which was pretty bad. Luis Guriel, I felt, misplayed a ball. 
I felt he could have gotten it at a warning track, hit the base of the wall, but he decided to try and play it off the wall. He almost got the guy out at second on the throw, so the throw was decent, but I thought he could have gotten the out. So it was a rough, rough series against the Asterix. They're 30, 20, and 27 on the season. Third in the AL East, six games behind Tampa. Tampa's just running this uh, AL East now. I said that they weren't going to win it. And I was good for the first bit, and now they're hitting like crazy, and then they always are good at pitching. So this is a recipe that they might be able to, if they continue this, is going to, no one's going to get first place there, I don't think. Sorry, Kev. Whatever, bud. The standing is still getting to a wild card. I'm not saying anything about first place. They just got to be able to get in there. Just going to win a World Series. Yeah. <laughs> From the wild card <laughs> position, it's going to be pretty difficult. That's fine. There's always a chance. Currently, they're two games behind Cleveland and Houston for the last wild card spot. The upcoming week has three against the White Sox, who have been pretty hot as well. And then obviously the Red Sox, who they have not done so well against this year. They need to step up and at, they, at least win the series here. They got to at least split that series. If they get no, the- I think they got to win it. I think they got to win it, man. They need to start doing some damage and uh, getting cl- getting further up in that division. Yeah, yeah they got to beat the elite to get to the, to be an elite. So I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the White Sox have, are a pretty good team too. So it'll be quite the competitive week, I think. Hopefully there's some bloody magic that happens in the- I know we're not huge fans of the Yankees as they're in the AL East with us. Uh, Michael King becomes the first Yankee to toss an immaculate inning since 2017. I was looking at it, and they're pretty rare, those immaculate innings. And uh, I think I told you guys before that Julian Merriweather, one of, I think his first outing or second outing, he almost had it. He was just a couple pitches off, which is too bad. But it's still impressive that this guy has managed to do it. Yeah, like these these are all strikes, right? There's no – if you have a hit and then you get thrown out on a hit or anything, that doesn't count. It's, it's got to be nine strikes yeah. in a row. There is no foul balls at all. There was all strikes. You have to be able to get uh, strikeouts. Yeah, to, swinging or whatever. To get, yep. Yeah. And you're saying that there was, there, there's no foul balls on this? There shouldn't be any foul balls contested on it if it's only nine pitches. Okay. Well – Okay, but if you if if somebody hits a foul ball on their second strike, then it's not nine pitches. What do you mean? Yeah, which makes sense. But I'm saying like, there it is, hundred percent. A foul ball on the second strike is still a strike. Yeah. It's still the second pitch. There was only nine pitches in the inning. There may have been foul balls, but there was only nine pitches in the inning, and they were all strikes. That's what I was curious about. Was if if the if you can get a foul to be an immaculate inning? I say no. I'm pretty sure. I mean, a foul ball is a strike. So, yeah, that's what I'm. I'm but if you if about. you already got two strikes, you hit a foul ball. That's still not strike three. It's a foul no. ball. But it was. But they didn't get a foul ball on the third strike in this no. case. It was only on the first or second. Yeah, they only. I, I believe it. I believe it's just counted as. Uh, you have to get nine pitches and all of them have to be strikes. And the obviously the last pitch has to be either a called strike or, or a swing strike. strike. Yeah. On on the third or the third pitch right. for each at bat. That's right. But it's impressive. I, I, I believe that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Especially in the ninth, obviously. Now, does it have to be for a save or does it not have to be for a save? No. Any inning. Any inning. Just for an immaculate inning. So it doesn't have to be for a save. So him doing it in the ninth is pretty impressive to 
to begin with? Or was it not in the United? It was in the first inning. It was in the first inning? Okay. In one inning. So it just, has to, it just has to be one inning. I didn't say it was the first inning or the ninth inning. It's just as long as it's going through one inning of three batters up, three batters down, nine pitches. All strikes. Or the first two being foul balls. Those are strikes. Those are still strikes. Right. First two. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Wikipedia says it's any inning in which the player strikes out three batters on nine pitches. That's it. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought it was. MLB has a new initiative called the Vaccinate at the Plate. It involves all 30 clubs. will host at least one vaccination event in June. Unvaccinated fans will receive a free game ticket when they receive the COVID shot at the event. Now, I don't... I believe that some of the time it's going to be for that day. If there's a game and it could be for a future is what I was reading a future game, but I really wish they had something like this in Canada. So we could like, obviously we can't watch the Leafs or anything like that, but like just more incentive for us to get the vaccination. Cause I've heard of some crazy things that they've been doing in the States to get people to get vaccinated there. Oh, yeah. There's lotteries in California and all kinds of shit. But you never know. There still might be a vaccinated at the plate at the Rogers Center for the Blue Jays. That season's far from over. <laughs> They're going to play in Toronto, goddammit. I'm standing by it. Just before we leave this, this uh, MLB, I always like to do this, guys. You know me. Uh, rumor has it, because of what happened to Pilar in regards to the fastball to the face, they want to kind of give them a little bit more of a reaction time. And I believe maybe down in the a that they're moving the mound back some so it gives the batter some little time to get out of the way i don't like it at all that's dumb. fundamental change to the game kids have been growing up their entire lives playing around a certain place <clears throat> i don't like it either i i just don't think that fuck me man did you see polar's face though like are we is this something that that could possibly be like let's put our pitcher or batters all in a like a full face cage i mean like wow because dude if that ball would have hit him on the bridge of the nose and went up you'd see somebody lying dead at the fucking plate like he took that hard yeah but it's pretty impossible for like the ball to be going up oh. when you're throwing overhand if he's trying to dodge it, he's trying to get out of the way I, i'm just saying man i just i don't want to see someone dying at home plate because of a fastball smacking him right in the bridge of the fucking forehead or whatever yeah, but I mean, obviously nobody wants to see anyone get hurt or get hit or obviously die by getting hit with a pitch. But as far as I understand, no one has died yet in the hundred and whatever years of MLB that have occurred. I'm but, knocking on my desk so you guys can hear that. Knock on wood, right? Knock on wood, yeah. That's what I said. It's, it's a rumor. I hope it is false. But I mean, like it's again, messing with the fundamentals of a game where a pitcher is only used to being at a certain distance. I don't think there needs to be an overreaction to a bad hit by pitch to change things. Sometimes shit happens in a sport and it's very unfortunate. And I, I don't think you need to go make rule changes to deal with incidents. But that isn't, isn't that why the NHL put visors on people because of the skate and the sticking incidents to the people's arm? Yeah. And that is probably something that happened more often and was. It warranted a change to the equipment because the, the change to the equipment doesn't 
negatively impact the game much, right? Josh just threw in there. Might as well lower the rim in the WNBA, which we talked about last week. Sorry, man. I still like lowering of the rim of the WNBA. I mean, granted, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck. Here we go. Here we go. We, we've already <laughs> talked about this, but like what, what I think about this removing the mound back is, is dumb. And for how rigid MLB is on changing rules to begin with, like the NL still doesn't have a friggin' DH. DH. Yeah. And they want to worry about uh, getting people getting hit in face. Like, like you can move. There is time enough to move. He, Pilar just had more of a brain fart, I think, more or less on that one. Because like, well, he won't be able to like stop it is tough. Anymore. It is tough to get out of the way on those pitches, but like they're usually good at glancing it to the side or, or turning their head so it hits the back of their helmet, kind of thing like that, and not straight in the face. I don't know. I think this is all driven by headlines, more or less. Yeah, I think I said it's rumor. I'm not saying you know it's like legitimately going to happen, but who knows? Definitely not going to happen. They might test it, but let's see. Let's hope they don't. Well, let's see how we can test your patience here, Kev, with uh, Julio is traded today. Woo! And to Peter's Tennessee Titans. Woo! It's pretty crazy to have that happen today and between the teams that we cheer for. (laughs) And Kevin's now crying. Live. Live, yes. Wiping his tears. He's he's got his Julio jersey that Josh had given him, and yet another Falcon goes the Titans. <laughs> oh, ain't that the fucking truth, yo? I mean, I got uh, Crumpler, I got Crumpler, and he went to Tennessee right as I got that fucking jersey. Kev, you might as well just become a Titans fan. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. So the Titans get Julio and a six-round pick in 2023 and the Falcons get a second round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2023. So I think that's a pretty decent price that the Titans paid for, for Julio. Like we were talking last week about how Atlanta was after our first round pick. And we were talking about, I think San Fran that didn't have any, so it would be tough for them to get them. Maybe that was the Rams. No, it was both of us. We're both we're both don't have first round picks. Okay. <laughs> but so I think a second and a fourth and getting a sixth back uh, the other way, it's it's a decent price, I think. It's a fairly call it a bargain bin purchase of an elite wide receiver. Yeah, and you were talking about him being on his tail end, like he wasn't that good last year, but he was hurt. He only played nine games. So that and he and when he did play, he played he had still had over 700 yards and like 50 catches, so that was pretty good for Julio. And that's what Julio does is he gets a lot of catches and a lot of yards. And as I said, it was traded after June 1st because no one was going to take on this guy's contract, and it helps out Hotlanta and we'll say 15.3 million against their cap. Where in 2021, if they kept him, would have been 23 around 23 million. Uh, pri- prior to trading Julio, the Falcons only had less three hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars in cap space. Like it was, they were running on fumes, so they needed to get rid of this guy. They're on hook for uh, seven point seventy seventy-five million for two thousand twenty-one, and they'll have fifteen point five million in dead money in twenty twenty-two, which is the reason why they traded him after the June first deadline. So 
if, it, if they're traded or cut afterwards, it moves their dead money to the following year with the, some of the rules that, that the NFL has given. So like for the Rams sake, the Rams cut Gurley last season and he's still on our dead cap for this season. But because we designated it for a June 1st uh, cut, is that's how that worked. So, but he still was able to sign with Atlanta last year, well before that. So it was quite the manipulation of the money there, how they do that. Uh, I think the trade hat, because they give a date on that where they can say they, in cutting, they can say, well, we cut you at June 1st. You can go look for employment now though. But speaking of cap space, Titans need to clear some space for sure. They got 40.8 million over the cap right now as a team whole. Ooh, that's a lot of fajoli. Yeah, it is, but they only need they're only uh, sixteen point nine million over the cap for their top fifty one players is what the cap actually like goes by. So they gotta cut that dude cuts and everything like that. But it's still just almost seventeen million that they need to find, which they might need to do in restructures with Tannehill and Henry. There could be other restructures happening. They could extend Julio and restructure kind of thing like that. Just alleviate the the amount of money and everything like that i said that it was unlikely and it happened anyways but good on the titans and i will say this after this trade i think the titans make the playoffs now i was saying that they wouldn't but i was going through my head and i couldn't think of because there's seven teams now that can be in the playoffs i couldn't think of another team that would be better than the titans at this point especially for being such a run-heavy offense with King Henry. I think an A.J. Brown there might be the one that they watch a lot of, or he's going to be open more. For sure. You got a lot of weapons now on offense. Well, they lost two weapons too in in Giannu Smith and, and Corey Davis, but he, they're not near the caliber of Julio Jones. Right. I'd take Davis for – sorry, I'd take Jones for Davis any day of the week. And uh, Smith. Yeah, and Smith you're going to replace with fucking somebody. So how good he was, he's had at least 80 catches and 1,300 yards in each year from 2014 to 2019, which is wild. Averaging 104 receptions and 1,565 yards in that span. Julio averages 95.5 yards, receiving yards per game. That's number one overall of all time. Does anyone know who number two is? Or take a guess. Just take a guess. I'll go last because I know who it is because I read it. So you oh. guys go. <laughs> no, is it is it from Atlanta? No. No, it wouldn't be no. from Atlanta. I'm talking about the whole NFL, all of the NFL. Yeah, man, I, I, I have no idea. I, I, if I had to throw a name out there, Owens. No. No, not even close. Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Really? And that fucker retired really early. Yeah, but he's almost 10 yards off. Yeah. He's at 86.1 per game. I also want to do a shout-out to my boy, Tory Holt, who's eighth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Jesse, not everything has to be with the Rams. No, it doesn't. But, <laughs> yeah, you guys, we had this argument about him not being in the Hall of Fame, and I believe he deserves to be there because Jerry Rice is 10th overall there. That's why I wanted to say that. And uh, there's a bunch of act- other active players with uh, Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown and Beckham, Hopkins, and Evans. 
but that's the way the game is right now with all the passing that's going on. And Julio also finishes with uh, seven Pro Bowls and first team All Pro. He has two of those, and he has three second team All Pros, which is also super impressive. And I want to ask Kevin how he's doing, but I think he's rebounding. He's not. He stopped crying now. A little bit. It's, it, I mean, that's the reasons why I wore my Julio shirt today. There might be more tears to come, yeah. Well, you know one thing, though? I'm not going to be putting this fucking shirt in a tin can and burning it, I tell you that. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a tin can, Yosh has one for you. Yeah, yeah, but it's never going to happen. It, Kev, it's time to tighten up. <laughs> Let's fucking go. No, man, I, I've already had this debate with you guys, man. It's either going to be the Saints – or the, or the uh, Raiders. You can't go to the Saints. Yeah, I can do what I want, man. But, I mean, Oakland, I'm not sorry, Oakland, L.A., Vegas, Raiders would be my would be my go-to. It's just my style. I mean, their fan base is absolutely like, like yeah, that, that would fit right in. You know, like a nice ground and pound running game like the Titans play? Doesn't that fit right no. into your mojo? No. Have you seen the uh, – the Raiders fans? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's why I would fit my mojo. I thought it was because of old man Gruden there and his guy's old school ways. Yeah. And he's also got a ring, too. And, and you know, a Liberty trophy. So. Yeah, he got a ring. Not with Oakland, though. Um, not Oakland. L.A. Vegas. I know, but he played for Oakland or he coached for Oakland before. He didn't get the ring. With, yes. He didn't get yes. the ring no. with Oakland. He got no. it with Tampa. No, Tampa. Yeah, I know who he got a ring with. Yeah. Just saying he has one, so he can actually, you know. You could be a Tampa fan. You love Brady. (laughs) Fuck Brady. (laughs) Fuck that guy. So we're going to stick with some pretty good wide receivers here, and Stefan Diggs restructures to create $7.8 million for the Buffalo Bills. His cap hit for 2021 is roughly $6.4 million for 2021 which is awesome for his caliber that's dirt cheap yeah yeah but he's it you've seen a lot of restructures this year just to help out teams with the cap belt cap hit and pushing it down the road and stuff like that it is dirt cheap for that caliber of receiver and then i was hoping to talk to josh about this but his chicago bears are for sale <laughs> now i'll ask this too because i did it i did it before are they staying? Sorry, he's not. They're not for sale. They're they're they're, they're they might be for now, sale. Now, if they do get sold, mm-hmm. do they do still stay in Chicago, or is this like a, somebody that's buying them that says, you know what, we're gonna move them? No, of course they stay in Chicago. They might move to a stadium elsewhere in Chicago, but they're in Chicago, man. Right. Well, speaking of the stadium, Soldier Field needs a bunch of upgrades to be at the NFL caliber, but. They either need to build a new stadium or upgrade it, which obviously I personally think they're just going to upgrade it. No matter whoever buys it, they're going to put the money in to make Soldier Field there because it's been there forever. Josh just says it's only been 18 years since the last upgrade at Soldier Field. Well, they still need another one then, man. Uh, it's not that long. Like the... it's, it's not that long. But that that's what this article is telling me is that they, they need to get a facelift and everything like that to be up to the standards of NFL teams. Now, I don't know what the range is of how, how long of a new renovated one, but I don't think Soldier Field 
will be moved because they are also saying going to Chicago, going outside of Chicago to Arlington Park and play the games there, which I doubt they would do that. I personally think Soldier Field is one of those iconic stadiums, just like Lambeau. Got to keep it. Yeah, you can't you can't change that. Anyway, so Virginia, who's the daughter of the Bears fo- founder George Hallis, uh, ran the team until his death at 1983. Virginia took over, and the estimated worth of the Bears is 3.5 billion dollars. Wow! So George Hallis bought the team in the first year of NFL back in 1920. For 30 bucks. Shut up. I just made that up. I made that up. You're not, you're not far off, Peter. (laughs) You're really not far off. That was a lot of money back then. Tell (laughs) tell us all about that, Kev. Tell us all about that. What what money was worth. Hey, man, I I used to go to a movie theater for a nickel and a fucking bottle cap, man. There you go. A bottle cap was currency back when. <laughs> no, he so yeah, George Howells b- bought it for a hundred bucks. Wow, yeah, I was just a random guess of 30. <laughs> yeah, so so that, <laughs> yeah, like that is quite the increase on your investment, so it's, it's definitely paid off. So they're probably looking to cash in and everything like that. Uh, s- some buyers that might purchase it are Pat Ryan and Jeff Bezos. Ryan's a billionaire and he'd likely have the best shot at landing the bears because he's already a minority owner. He also has the right of first refusal to buy from Virginia. If she might sell Ryan is also well-known in Chicago and already has a football field and basketball arena at Northwestern named after him. I don't think Jeff Bezos is going to have a chance at this. I don't think anyone would allow it to get to him. We'll see. Money talks, and we know he's got a lot of fucking money. Well, yeah, you're you're right, but I think Amazon is uh, doing the all is like the exclusive for the Thursday night football this year. So he's already making a bunch of money off that. I think (laughs) broadcasting that. Yeah, I don't know what his interest is in buying the Bears. It's any sports team, man. Any sports team makes money. I don't know if it's a hobby or if it's to make money or. It's a good investment, no matter what. Any sports team is a good investment. It's definitely to make money. Yeah, but he's fucking, but he's fucking Jeff Bezos. He doesn't need. Dude, all rich people want money is more money. Yeah, but the money that that man would make from the Chicago Bears is fucking a rounding error in his fucking budget. And just think about like the upgrade that Soldier could get with Jeff Bezos. There, I really wish I got. Yoshi's reaction on that because I feel like he'd be super pumped for that. <laughs> Just by looking at him right now, I man, he looks like like he's pissed, like he's red. I'm not sure if that's the glow off his shirt, but I mean, he doesn't look too happy about about his bears being sold. Could be drones everywhere delivering hot dogs to people in the stands. Oh, that'd be so fucking cool! Be great. <laughs> not waiting in those lines. Nope. Just order it on fucking Amazon Prime. You'd probably have toilets every which way so you don't have to wait in those lines either. Or just troughs <laughs> everywhere kind of thing. <laughs> Good old Buffalo. So we're going to roll into our, <coughs> excuse me, guys, roll into our other stuff here. I'm not sure if you've all heard this, but the PGA Memorial Tournament. Now, I, I, I do believe that they do get tested, the, uh, the golfers, um, either before an event and after the round. John Rom 
uh, was tested every day like every other player. Uh, most recent test came back positive and it was around 4.20 p.m. and was decided to retest this uh, strip to see if this first test was actually a positive because it did come back positive. So they did uh, do that second test, which also came back positive. And it was just after 6 p.m., which was told right after he finished, his, uh, finished on the 18th hole that he's got the vid, the COVID guys, 19. He's got the Rona. He's got the Rona. So he has no choice here but to withdraw. Now this guy, John Rom, had a six-stroke lead on everybody else going into the Sunday tournament or the Sunday round, which he's not playing in. And kind of sucks for him, man. I mean, uh, it's brutal. Like, why, why would you wait till he finished his round? Like you guys tested him. He's already probably teed off. It's like 420. Wouldn't you say they're going to like the, the fifth hole, sixth hole, wherever you may be, and say, hey, bud, you got to stop right now. You've got the COVID. So with John Ron's first round, because it was like a rain delay, or second round, because um, the second round and the third round were played at the, basically the same time. The second round group that he was with, they all got tested and everybody's fine in regards to, you know, progressing into this final round Sunday. The final group that he was playing with for the third round, they were fine because they already had the COVID-19. So they were no, not concerned about catching it again. And the PGA Tour is fine with the, the two groups that he played with to continue on for Sunday. Um, once again, I don't know who actually finished off winning that, but I do know he was uh, six strokes above and the following second or third was minus 12. So poor John. There's going to be a, whoever wins it. There's going to be an asterisk there for sure. Oh, they have to man. Cause you're up six strokes. I mean, I don't, I don't see John losing that tournament, but like I was saying too, though, is that why wouldn't you let this guy play his round by himself so no one else is around, and you have those two guys that are minus twelve, and carry on. Well, he the still needs his caddy. Well, his caddy's there with him, yes, but it's just him and his caddy playing eighteen holes, and it shows that Patrick Cuntley won at uh, minus thirteen, as Josh uh, updated. Us. Is it can- isn't it Cantley? Cantley, <laughs> I can't see it, man. I got my glasses. What did I say, Cuntley? <laughs> oh, they were tight, actually. So either or, I just feel bad for John. I mean, he, he did look very distraught, too, when he was told that uh, he had to withdraw. Yeah, that sucks for sure. This was a – I considered this for my penalty box, but obviously he did nothing wrong to get COVID. So I didn't. But that sucks for sure, especially when when you're leading the tournament by a big margin. Right. And you get pulled up for COVID. That's, yeah. That's, that's no not fun. fun at all. No, man. I mean, all right. I just don't get it. I mean, you let this guy play the full 18 holes where you could have went up to him after nine and say, hey, man, you need to come off the course. But they let him play it out, which is like beyond me. Well, it's weird because, like, you got to think, too, at the same time. Like, I'm sure there was an audience there. Like, how how he, how did he get – I guess he got it before he started playing probably, right? Yeah, who knows? It's a pandemic. Yeah. You can get it. Whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's upsetting. And golf is like one of those or games or sports that you can actually social distance in too. So it, it, I get that they're trying to stop the spread, but to take the the leading guy out and he's leading a bunch. Yeah. It's uh it's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow for him. 
You have to, though. When you're positive, you have to get bounced. You, you, you would hope that the people that did win, that, um, you know, that, that Cantley um, does show that he did win in the playoff, that he gave some kind of money to Rom. Because if it wasn't for Rom being a, a, out, this guy wouldn't have fucking won. I don't think he's sharing any of that prize money. No, probably not, but he, he should give yeah. something to him. He'll get a, uh, maybe a flower basket or something. <laughs> get well soon, bud. Get well soon. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know uh, we talked about this before, but the WNBA may not have to lower their uh, rim, by the way, because Brittany Griner is at it again with her second dunk. Now, this one was actually pretty impressive. I, I actually enjoyed this one because she just didn't, you know, just take off. She backed this um, defender off with a little bit of a spin to the rim for her second dunk of the year versus the Chicago sky. It was, you know, pretty cool, but to see them lower it just two though, could have made that, uh, you know, windmill dunk or, you know, something a little bit more spectacular in regards to how some of them say, what a spectacular dunk that was. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's going to be an athletic freak that comes into this league that can dunk with regularity it's going to change the game. Write that down. So we have a first in regards to university's women's fastball. James Madison University beats out the number one Oklahoma 4-3 Thursday with its first World Series appearance in the program history. Well, it has to be because it was the very first one. Game-winning home run from Kate Gordon, which is pretty cool. Now watching some of this, the fastball. It's just I believe that this is the most natural motion of a throw that should be done. And it just blows my mind that they can actually get up to speeds like the MLB. I mean, you have women's probably throwing like close to 70 miles an hour. You probably, you probably, no, they, can, they can get up to a hundred. You can probably have men's that are sitting there throwing up between the nineties. Like I challenge that they're not going to get up to a hundred. There's no way I don't think they'll get to a hundred. But I mean, you challenge me that there's no woman that has ever gotten up to 100 miles per hour doing the. Yes, window. sir. I challenge right. you that. Yosh, you want to get on that? And that's women's though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Not 100. I, I say I'd put the women's in between a 70 or close to an 80, but I'm no no way near 100. Women, men maybe, but not the women. No, man, you can definitely throw the ball faster doing the windmill than you can overhand. Well, like I said, it, it, it's the most natural motion. Right. But I, that's that's why, you know, they don't have a, an injury to their elbows and such. But it, it's still pretty amazing that they can throw knuckleballs, curveballs, change-ups, and shit like this all as, as a windmill-style pitch. So Josh just shared in her group chat that the women's top speed in uh, 2012, Monica Abbott, it's 77 miles per hour. So Kev was right. And Jesse was wrong. But good for them for winning that, you know, first time or World Series. Now we're going to get into the Canadian men's hardball. This is, you know, overhand now. You know, we're not windmilling it anymore. Now they have a must win to qualify for the Olympics. Um, they were facing the Dominican Republic. It was a very, I mean, I'm telling you, this game was back and forth. It was like, you know... 3-2, 3-3, 4-3, 4-4. But Dominican comes out winning at 6-5. Uh, so it's not this year that they're going to be going to the Olympics. I, I feel bad for a nice little um, 
the GM there, uh, Ernie Witt, which is the next J. I hope he stays on for them for next year because he's done well for that for that baseball team. Carry on there, Ernie. Have this going on for Josh here because it's the 153rd Belmont Stakes. We have our uh, first place was Essential Quality. It actually was his uh, first triple crown for the jockey and the trainer. Uh, we have second place for Hot Hot Rod Charlie. Third place was uh, Rambert Boxing. Now, listening to this first uh, first match that we have going here for boxing, Chad Ocho Cinco. It looks like he's going to be facing Brian Maxwell. Now, this reminds me of um, I would I, I can say back in the day where I actually stayed up to about. 1230, maybe even longer, old, like you know, two o'clock-ish, where they had celebrity boxing, where I remember Screech from Saved by the Bell was actually boxing some, can't remember, basketball player maybe. It, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, it was enjoyable to watch because they're not really boxers and it's just fun to sit there and watch them try. But the, uh, the Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather one versus Logan Paul, I don't know why Floyd's doing this, man. The guy doesn't need money. For the money. But he doesn't. Everybody needs more money. Except for maybe Bezos. Well, isn't this the reason why Ocho Cinco's fighting? I would say so. Must be. I had no idea that he was into boxing at all. Yeah, so as uh, Josh was putting up there, it was uh, Monique, Monique Bull. That he was fighting um, Screech from Saved by the Bell, and I'm telling you, my, my new ball. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny because Screech is not that tall of a dude, but Munuk uh, Bull was definitely a tall mofo. So it was quite, uh, like I said, quite comical. But again, the fly Mayweather, I don't know why this is happening. The money. But even if it is for an eight round ex- exhibition fight, I guess it would be just for the money. He said he made over $30 million before the fight even happened, according to the job. Of course. I mean, if the UFC fighter, McGregor, could sit there and fight Mr. Floyd Mayweather and walk away with $120 million, like, that's just crazy. So I guess, you know, it is all about the money. Well, Floyd is his own promoter, I believe. And that's probably why he gets to keep most of his money. Yeah, like that. that's that. And because he started his own company doing that because he, he found that the promoters made way more money and then he can just take all the money plus the prize money. So he might as well do that. Might as well. Like I was saying, like Ocho Cinco's always looking for money. Like he's been on Dancing on the Stars. He had this <laughs> thing called The Ultimate Catch, which I think was like a kind of a reality show, more or less. And he's been on WWE. He's been in... MLS and stuff like that, like trying to play. He he does everything he can just to make money. Also read that he was a bull rider one at one point. <laughs> Professional bull rider. Well, if you're an athlete, man, you just are like a straight up athlete. I mean, that, like, who knows? Maybe this. Uh... Oh, man, he's 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 he creates a presence and is an influencer. So he's just trying to get all those likes and everything like that. Well. Hey man, if it's working and, for him, and he get and it and it pays him. Like I said, if it's working for him, carry on there, Ucho Cinco. Going into our World Cup of uh, Soccer qualification or qualifying, I'm telling you guys, team. This is for FIFA. Team Canada is like 
dominant on this game. They need to finish at top of their pool to carry on. Sorry, the goal uh, need the group to, uh, to move on to the next round. We had Davies and David that didn't start the first. Well, you know, there's only two quarters. So the first quarter that uh, David and Davies did not start. But when it came out of the second, they were on the pitch. Which, the second half? There we go. Half. Yes. Okay. Yeah, first half, second half. They both got on the pitch, Davies and David, which they all, uh, they both scored a goal, which was decent. Again, uh, Canada just dominated with a 7-0. Now, Canada's next match is against, uh, now this is a Suriname? Suriname. Suriname, there we go. Which are basically tied in um, in the rounds or the pools here. Because uh, they do have Team Canada that has a uh, plus 22 differential to the plus 15 of Suriname, where they both have nine points during this tournament or qualify. So that's pretty cool. Good for Canada. About time we're doing well in soccer. Yeah, they've been dominating this table. Now uh, we're going to get into our uh, world hockey here, which is uh, unbelievable. How Canada started in regards to that tournament being 0-3. First time ever that they were 0-3 going into this kind of a tournament. Who did they lose to? I believe they lost to La- La- Latvia, USA, and Germany. Garbage. Those are the three teams that they lost. And after that, they started winning. And they didn't stop. No, they did not stop. And they just kept on getting better and better. Now, I would never have thunk that you would have Team Canada with that record playing gold against Finland. I mean, they, they, they were shitty, man. I mean, I, I just unbelievable how badly they started off. But here we go, boys. Let's do this. And they did in overtime. Canada wins gold, 3-2 over Finland in overtime. Maybe they quit drinking. They were just like, all right, time to smarten up, boys, and get our shit together. Uh, somebody had to say something in that room because it just I, – I, I never thought of it. Honestly, man, I didn't think that, that starting that bad, that there ended up being that good to win it. They had to beat USA to go. USA did end up beating Germany 6-1. to one with a pure domination for bronze. So it's not like the, the U.S. didn't walk away with anything. Didn't Canada lose against those teams? Yes. <laughs> but beat them to go to the final against Finland. Yeah, one one accounts. Yeah, unbelievable. So since we ended up with the hockey, I'll start off with penalty box this time here, guys, if that's okay. That's <laughs> perfectly fine, Kev. Because I, I have Mark Shifley. In my penalty box. It's the hit on Evans. Game one against Montreal. Now, it's not the hit is why I put Mark into this box. It was the intent of the hit. With 59 seconds left in the game, the Jets net empty with a dump in or a possible chance for the empty net. I don't know what it was. But Evans beat out the puck for the icing. Notice is obviously it's an empty net. He's trying to end the game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure he was. But you did. He did. And well, he, he did end up getting that clear, empty uh, goal net shot into the net. But then you have Mark Shifley come out of fucking nowhere and just ran him over. I mean, Evans was out before he hit the fucking ice. He was done. Now, the way I see it, Shifley had options with in regards to this. He, all he had to do, man, is put his fucking stick out 
Because if you look at the video, he had enough time to do a little poke check stick out to at least knock or lift stick or poke the puck away. But his intent in my mind was body first, puck later. And just ran him again the fuck over. The four-game suspension that uh, Mark took, I don't agree upon because I believe that for for something like this first time, four games is pretty huge. I would have given him at least two. But again, it's the charging that he got named on for that. Uh, I believe he got a five-minute major in a game because of the hit. 59 seconds, bud. Game's over. It was 4-3. Let the guy get this goal. If you would have poke check stopped, you'd be still playing and made a difference coming into this game. I mean, like, but no, body first and just laid Evans out. Poor guy. And, and the Evans is young. So, and Evans has concussion symptoms, like, or sorry, has had concussions. And I believe he came back from an injury prior to that game and is now done. I would just hate to see this kid's career being finished because of like, you know, concussion syndrome, symptoms. Too many good NHLers have that had to leave the NHL because of concussions. And I just don't want to see this young kid go through that as well. But that's why Mark Cycli's in my box. I didn't like the hit. The hit was clean. Nah, the hit was fine. There was nothing wrong with the hit that he did. It was the... It was an illegal hit, man. It was totally illegal hit. I fucking love the hit. The hit was perfect. It's just this guy, Evans, oh. had his head down. Which, I mean, to any NHLer or to any hockey player, you put your head down, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hit and you're going to get hit hard, which Evans did. But, again, it was the intent, man. Shifley was at basically kind of full speed. And his one motion or one thought that I can see was was body. He was coming around. He he didn't – if he was going to hit him, he was going to score. It was the end of the game. There's no need for it, kind of thing like that. And amount of games that he got, I think he deserves. I, the guy was out cold and stuff like that. Does he? Does Evans need to keep his head up? Of course he does. But he's more expecting a poke check and everything like that instead of someone going for his head. Right, and that's why I got Shifley in my box. It's not the hit; it was the intent of the hit. But it was an illegal hit. Yes, it was legal. No, illegal. No, it was legal. The hit was clean. There was nothing wrong with that hit. Then why is he suspended? He was suspended because of the, the lineup to the hit. He was suspended because he was at full speed and did not have any care for what, the puck. He what penalty did he get? He got a five-minute major for charging and a game. Charging right there. That's illegal. Charging. There was no head contact. It was shoulder to fucking body. I don't know, man. I, I've watched too many guys in the NFL and everything like that get smoked in the head because people get hit in the head. It's still the same thing. It's concussions, man. Hockey is a way faster game than the NFL could ever be. I'm not saying that the NFL is not a hard-hitting game, but hockey is a way faster game. And, and, and there's no out-of-bounds. In football, you can run out-of-bounds. In hockey, you got nowhere to yeah, fuck. People get hit, out, get hit out-of-bounds. I'm not talking about bounds here. I'm talking about concussions. I'm talking about him going for the head and everything like that. The game's pretty much over. He beat him to the puck there and everything like that. But he didn't hit him in the head. He hit him square and straight, straight in the chest. It looked like a headshot to me. That's what knocked him out. He hit him right square in the chest, which knocked the fucker out, which his head bounced off the glove, the ice. The hit for me is clean. There's nothing wrong with that hit right, whatsoever. Well, I disagree. The primary point of contact, I don't think, was that. But he definitely got him in the head. 
And at the speed that he was going, having skated the entire length of the ice, like that's what fucking did the damage. So I'm, I'm sort of team Jesse on this one. I don't think that the hit itself had anything you can directly point to and say, oh, that's a dirty hit. But when you when you put the whole thing together and, and understand how fast that he's going and how far he skated to make that hit and the impact that he had on Evans, I, I don't disagree with the suspension. I think that he there are other plays that he can make at that point. He didn't look like he wanted to play the puck at all. He maybe could have stopped that goal. Maybe. I don't know if he could have or not. Hard to say. I think so. If, if you look at it again, his arm reach would have poked that ball, would have poked that puck. Which may have stopped the goal and may not have. Hard to speculate. Now, I, I get what he's doing. He's just playing hard and playing the body and trying to finish his check like like you do in playoff hockey. And so I know I know Josh is fuming because he's struggling to get in out of this conversation. But he flipped us what Mike Commodore had to say on, on the Shapely hit. And so I'm just going to jump to the second piece of this. So he says that Shifley doesn't take a stride from the top of the circles. What's he supposed to do there? Just give him a goal? Play the puck? How? Stop six feet from the goal line and poke check? Diving poke check headfirst in the end boards? Shifley is far from a predatory player. Evans never took a look around and put himself in a really vulnerable position. And so I, I can see... I can see that side of the discussion as well. I can see why, like, the hit itself, when you look at each piece of it, and you say, well, did he hit him in the head first? Did he, is it charging by the letter of the book of charging? No, he is, he stopped striding, and he was gliding when he made the hit. But what the, what that doesn't account for is, like I said, the fact that he skated the entire length of the ice before that at full speed, and so he's moving when he makes this contact. But at the same time, it's it's pro hockey. You're allowed to hit people hard as long as you do it within the confines of the rules. Which he did. But again, it was the intent. His intent was, number one, to hit this kid and hit him hard. Yeah. I think he his intent was to hurt. I, I, I don't think his intent was to injure. No. Nope. Because it often isn't. But obviously, the result is that Evan did get injured because he got... He, he got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Damn right he did. Out on contact, man. He was out on contact. Yeah. And that, again, that, that, that's why I got Shifley in my box. I mean, he should have done anything else, but but he did. And yeah, that's why I put him there. I agree. I think I think he could have made a different play, but I see the other side as well. I see how it's tough to say that he did it, that it's a dirty hit when he's not explicitly breaking any rules with the hit other than maybe charging, which is a, it's a bit of a loosely written rule. Yeah. It's like what, three seconds after the puck leaves their stick, they have the right to still hit them. The, well, that's, that'd be for interference, but for charging, it's, there's a lot of gray area of the wording of charging. I don't have it right in front of me, but it's. No, but I'm saying you have, a, you have three seconds after the puck releases just your stick before you can take a hit. It's definitely not three seconds. It's way no. less than three seconds. Three seconds is a long time when you're full speed playing hockey. But anyway, that'd be for interference and not for charging. Yeah, I, this is a bit of a tough one, but I don't disagree with this suspension that he was given because he destroyed Evans on that play. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. And I don't, I don't think it was necessary. 
Nope, it definitely wasn't necessary. And again, that's why I, I put Shifley here. But let's hear about you, Jess. Who do you got your penalty box here, bud? Well, I got more of a blooper than anything else. I got uh, Nicky Lopez. He essentially bunted and it turned into a triple play. So he had runners on first and second and he squares up to bunt and he pops up in the air a little bit too long. And Miguel Sano comes in charging, snags the ball out of the air, flips it to Simmons, the shortstop at second base to get the second out. Simmons runs runs towards first for a bit. And then he throws it to the second base, Nick Gordon to get that triple play. Now, I when I first read the headline, because it first said bunt leads to triple play, I was like, how does that happen? <laughs> Looking at it, it was it was more or less a really good play by the twins, but I, I still think it's crazy to even think that the guy's the guy's trying to bunt and then it turns into triple play, and that's why he's in my box. But it's the first three, six, four triple play ever by the twins, and it's the first triple play of that caliber three, six, four since 1980. So it's a pretty rare triple play. Holy shit. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I got him in my box and everything like that. But uh, just a little, another note here is that Miguel Sano has been involved in four, all four triple plays for the twins. The last four, he was playing third base for two of them. And he was also playing first base for the other two. <laughs> So it's kind of wild that, like, I guess, like, you need a bunch of players for the triple play to happen and everything like that, but he's been on the field and he's been a part of it every single time. So it's this is more of a glory penalty blocks for <laughs> Mr. Miguel Sano, but also for Nicky Lopez because they obviously got the signal to do the bunt, but obviously the runners weren't watching well enough in the, during the play, <laughs> but they took off when he hit the ball there. In the air. First of all, he's not allowed to bunt anymore. <laughs> no. And second of all, Sano should now be referred to only as Mr. Triple Play. <laughs> yes. Peter, who do you have in your box? So my box, taking a page out of uh, Josh's court here, is LeBron James. So LeBron, after being eliminated by the Suns in game six, immediately leaves the court. He doesn't shake any of the Suns' hands. He just bounced right to the locker room right away. Apparently, he gave a jersey to Devin Booker after the game, but still, it's common courtesy and sportsmanship in today's game to shake the hands of your opponent after they eliminate you from a game. And further to that, in game five, as they were getting blown out, with five minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and he just left back to the locker room and he'd get medical treatment, whatever. But he doesn't give off a vibe to me of being much of a team player. You, you win with the team and you lose with the team and you shake hands with the team that beats you. And he's just being a little bitch about it. He's not doing any of those things. He's being a little bitch, not shaking hands, not staying to the final uh, whistle in a blowout. Yeah, it was that was bad. Like we were talking about Damian Lillard and how he was like, we didn't win. Like, I don't care about my personal success or whatever it was that he did. Uh, he's like, we didn't win. 
and yeah. he still shook shook his hand. Exactly. It seems like the complete opposite with LeBron compared to Lillard. Yeah, this is this is a stand on like I know he's always been a bit of a a, a baby and bitches about stuff, but this this kind of stains his reputation a little bit more, I think. Because yeah. he before he was more or less just complaining to refs and stuff like that. You yeah. just walk off the field like that. That's just you're like you said, being a crybaby. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our scores for the day. So two challenges today that I can remember. I fucked right up on Vegas and Seattle as to who was the expansion team this year. And I'm not sure if it was just you, Jesse, or if you and Kev got me on that one. Well, I I definitely said it first and said Seattle, but it, I I just know I got the point. I don't, I don't <laughs> get. <it. laughs> Kev, Kev, did you, like you did you get in on the Seattle or Vegas? Uh... I said it just right after Jesse did, so you guys can take it as that. I mean, was Jesse said it, I was like right there with him. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I was right behind him. That's fine. I'll give it to you. You need it anyway. Living at minus nine. Um, seven now well settle down that's just the first one (laughs) uh so yeah that's that's plus one for kevin jesse and a minus one for peter and then the other challenge someone remind me what the other challenge it was the it was the fastball one that i got i thought thought the women could could throw at 100 miles per hour and i was well off that's right so kev is another plus one and Jesse is a minus one to bring his data even. So that brings our totals for the season. Peter drops down to plus seven. Kevin climbs up to minus seven. Uh, Jesse stays neutral at plus two. Uh, Josh is a minus four. And uh, that's it for the points penalty scores today. Another week, challenge week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got two of them in there. Good day for Kev. Good day for Kev. Yeah, Kevin's gonna write this down in his calendar. Yeah. Oh, buddy, you, you fucking right, I am. This didn't lose a point. Didn't is, lose one in game two. It's the start of a big comeback for Kev. He's yep, I'm hoping. Clearly, clearly not drunk enough. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, boys. <laughs> so, Jesse, how was your drink? Uh, my drink for the Lake of Bays, the double IPA with the elderberry was pretty good actually it was it did not taste like a regular strong beer it was it went down real smooth and real quick as it is boiling in here and i had to drink it quickly kevin how was your drink my murphy's law cherry bomb coke as you would put it cherry coke was that cherry coke was good really good following the uh mvp it was a good combo Enjoyed them both. Pedro, how was your beverage? Yeah, it's good stuff, Kev. My uh, my Amsterdam Pure Pilsner from Amsterdam Brewery was really good. Had a couple of them, rolled right into my uh, Game Changer from MVP. And, uh, it's good. It's good stuff. So, for everyone here at Points and Penalties, thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay stay out of the penalty penalty box. box.